Sunday, August 1st, 2023. Thank you for joining me today. I didn't actually mean to push that opening that I figured, well, let's use it since today seems to be a special focus. So today's show is indeed going to be about, I mean, it's it's kind of a, conf- a combination of two topics, but it was something today. I was I was trying to get something out today. I wanted to cover something, but I didn't have, it, basically, I wanted to try to find one thing to focus on. And so I was trying, I was looking through topics that I thought were interesting, other categories that I kind of have pulled off that I've been researching. And somebody sent me something today in regard to airdrop rabies vaccines. That's not new by any stretch of the imagination. Apparently it started back in the 1990s and it took the smallest amount of effort to find out one, that these things, according to the peer reviewed science, shocking are not what we're being told to make, to say that kindly. But one of the things I thought was most interesting was when I found out that one of the key active ingredients in what they're using is tetracycline, which as we just was, we're just going through in regard to Oxytex GM mosquitoes is exactly the, the component that allows them to have a much more high, a much higher degree of <laughs> I to trap myself there. They don't die the way that they should. And of course, then they're able to have offspring, which they then spread the ability to get. Basically, they don't die and they get stronger. And this has been shown repeatedly. And even their own FOIA requested documentation shows that they knew this from the very beginning. Originally, it came from the they claim the cat food in the cans that were giving these mosquitoes that they were then delivering, which, by the way, I'll show you it again, was it is an ongoing experiment, according to their own use of the word according to the fact that it is an open, uncaged field trial that's been approved by the FDA. That's crazy to me. Sort of sounds like like what we're about to talk about. But I found it interesting to find out that tetracycline, despite them pointing at the food they gave them, is a very, very common antibiotic. It's a not very, very common antibiotic, a common pesticide used in citrus farms and different other fruit farms. And then it turns out that it's a very common thing, and I do mean very common thing, in the sewers where mosquitoes tend to congregate. And then you find them doing these predominantly in residential areas. And you could argue that's just a malfeasance, that you know, lack of concern, <laughs> ignorance. Or you could wonder whether it's something being done deliberate. And I, I considered all of those things. But to come to find out there's been something that's been being spread around rural areas around the country, you know, there's multiple states that is using tetracycline, and then they're also spreading GM mosquitoes around 20-plus states in this country that don't die and get stronger when introduced with tetracycline. <laughs> I just, I'm just like, you know, it's certainly possible these people are just that clumsy and are just that ridiculous or just that, that lacking of concern for human interests but it could be something more deliberate. So today we will talk about that in an overlap with this rabies airdropped vaccine conversation, which is is something that, again, I don't think most people know about this. I was not aware that this was something that was being done to this degree. I knew this was around, but to find out this has been ongoing from the 90s to today, and it's happening in multiple states, multiple times, rabies vaccines to be airdropped across Southeast Tennessee. You won't be surprised to find out that animals have eaten these things and died. Cats, dogs, that people, people have come in contact with these things and gotten some variation of smallpox, vaccinia, cowpox, or whatever the overlap, we'll, we'll get into it. I mean, look, I don't care if you think that is a 
1% possibility, a 0.01%. It's the same game we play with COVID-19 world. That if there is a risk like this, it should not be their decision. It should be your choice, whether you potentially want your infant to have one of these fall in their lap. And then they go, don't worry, though, it's completely harmless. Well, guess what? That's not true either, according to their own documentation. But I'll happily play you the absurd corporate media segment where they go, don't worry, though, it's harmless and nothing's wrong and nothing bad can happen and everything's great and fancy and we love rainbows and ice cream. Ready, guys, let's go back to your show. Like, that's the kind of dumb stuff you get from corporate media. It's not harmless if there is some level of harm. It's just that simple. But we will start, of course. I will actually, I could just kept that open. I want to start with a couple of shout outs to the article, some articles that came out yesterday that I think are important. And then we'll get right into this. That's going to be the only thing we focus on today. And there's more in there in regard to the peer reviewed science that shows how dangerous these things are in their own right, but also the interesting overlap therein. And then I'm going to dovetail it in the end with something that I think this is also showing. And that's, the, I guess I wasn't going to say it, but I'll say it now. In the studies, it'll show that there is a level of this that is transmissible, not to the people, but to each other, to other animals, whether that is from skin, whether that is from saliva. The point is we're talking about something that is given to one animal and spreads to another animal. We have a word for that. It's called self-spreading vaccines. Now, there's variations within that. And it's all, it's been something that started with animals, and now they're trying to make it, or they already have done it, and they're trying to convince you to discuss ant, ant, human-to-human Johns Hopkins wrote an article about that before COVID-19 ever came around. Human-to-human self-spreading vaccines. I'll play the clip when we get there. Just for all those that think it's a fake news story, like anything that you're told, ignore. But if that's possible, then we should consider whether or not this is a step in the direction of what we already see coming. But I want to make sure you don't miss these articles that recently went out. Uh, Derek, while in Texas at the tribe, either tribe or trib fest, I forget how, I don't know how you actually say it. It's the Tribune Fest, but the shorthand is spelled Trib Fest or Tribe Fest. <laughs> I'm not a local, so I don't know. But th- this is uh, a, a, an event where Derek went and came across none other than Peter Hotez and got a good five, six, seven minute conversation with him. And it's hilarious because the guy's a clown. I'll be quite honest. I mean, there's very few people that I will be that derogatory towards, but this guy is a terrible person who I think is very aware he's lying to protect his own reputation. Or, you know, like as Kevin McKernan, quite frankly, wrote about on Twitter the other day, I, he said, <laughs> Kevin McKernan, PhD, said, I think this guy was the guy that got hung up on his underwear in high school. And the reason we, he's saying that is not to be insulting, but because this is the guy who I think, in my opinion, got drunk on the, on the influence and power he got during COVID-19 and is now watching the, the world slip away from underneath him as everybody recognizes him for the liar and clown that he is. I'm not saying that doesn't mean he doesn't understand and has... Uh, credentials in the areas that he does doesn't make that doesn't make a person honest everything we're proving today is showing you that this guy's been lying to you from day one and of course Derek does a very excellent job of highlighting his complete contradictory stance while the same thing we love to make fun of pointing at Vayers to make his point then goes well Vayers is unverified or whatever he says so it's fun to say yes Vayers proves my point but then when you point at it to make your point you go but that's not verified you gotta love that kind of contradiction in a short minute interview but then, interestingly enough, he came across RFK Jr. at the same event and then did a great overlap contrasting the differences between the two men. And he entitled this The Tale of Two Men, Dr. Peter Hotez and RFK Jr. Now, both Derek and I are very, like you have, people that watch this show are very aware, very critical of RFK Jr. in multiple avenues. From my perspective, mostly about Israel. But I think it's hilarious that this is because Peter Hotez is that ridiculous. 
contrasting the two makes RFK Jr. look good. And of course, people are, of course, he's got to write an article making RFK Jr. look good because he's a shill of RFK. It's just, you know, children will, will children. <laughs> that's, how, that's how it goes today. I think it's hilarious that people will do that. But the point is a good and a balanced, objective contrast between the two. Then there's also an, an article from Matt Errett using Armenia to destroy the International North-South Transportation Corridor. A very interesting foreign policy overlap discussing the International North-South Transportation Corridor, the Belt and Road Initiative, the overlap, and what the kind of the battles between all these things. I found it very informative. And I had a great interview with, with Sam Husseini, which I think you guys will absolutely love. Seeking truth during an exercise in spin and obfuscation, State Department briefings. That's what that's really about. And his job is doing that, which must be impossible. But he does an excellent job in using the questions to call out what they're not saying and what they refuse to sell you, tell you. And it's a really you know, honest and, and, and important, timely discussion about what's really going on in our engagement with our government. Make sure you watch this. I found it really, really enjoyable to listen to him talk about those things. And then I also had a really, all this came out yesterday. A really enjoyable conversation with Heath Snyder. If you're unfamiliar, I recommend you watch this interview because I found it to be a very intelligent, very insightful, critically thinking person, very nonpartisan, objective person. That's exactly what I love. But it was also, you know, very, very uh, educational. He has some really insightful perspectives on how to reach people. I wrote it, Overcoming Propaganda and Social Engineering in a Time of Unprecedented Manipulation. And it's just his perspective on how you can reach people that are lost in this stuff. I found it very interesting. Now, all that aside, let's get to the show today. First of all, this is what the point, this is what brought us to the point today. Now, I decided instead of going over this first and then ending with the point of the overlap to the mosquitoes, I wanted to very quickly rehash that point because there's a new article that, of course, none other than uh, Thomas Inglesby, of course he did, shared this. Thank you, Orwell, for pointing this out. Mosquitoes are a growing public health threat, reversing years of issue. So just take the note from the, the headline, reversing ear years of, the point is that I'm, I've made this point in all the work around mosquitoes. They keep trying to go, we did it, we were beating them and we were winning. And then all of a sudden, it just completely went crazy. And you know why? Well, if you're paying attention, you know why? Because what they're doing is having the kind of compounding effect that we see in literally everything else that they do giving too many antibiotics. Then suddenly we have antibiotic resistant things and they go, oh my God, we're baffled. Well, we're not baffled. We've been telling you what you're going to cause the entire time. Here we are in a situation where they're literally, and I just proved to you as you go, as you, if you want to go through the shows, I'll show you in a second, prove to you that this has been the byproduct of this, that they're now writing articles going, this didn't work, right? I showed you the New York Post article in the last show going, this didn't work. They only got stronger. And here they are going, oh no. I mean, you could argue that's problem reaction solution or just using their own problem to justify their next step. Or maybe I, but I just, who care in this context, it doesn't really matter what they know. The point is what's happening. They did this. They created GM foods. Now the people in those areas are more food insecure. They created GM injections and they're killing people everywhere. They created GM mosquitoes and they're making the mosquitoes worse. Now you could go, oops, or you could realize that these people are very bad people that seem to be doing these things to people all over the world. There's too many people in that sentence, but you get the point. So this is from. Yeah, uh, two days ago, rabies vaccine to be airdropped across southeastern Tennessee. Thank you to I didn't get a chance to get his response to know whether he wants me to shout him out. But thank you for the person who sent me this email. I found this to be very important today. Now, this is indeed now, but I will show you that this has been going on for decades. But it's saying the Tennessee Health Department has joined forces with none other than the U.S. the Department of Agriculture, USDA. 
the department will be dispersing rabies vaccine packets from the air along the borders with with so between Tennessee and North Carolina, Virginia, Georgia, and Alabama. So just that this is just the one they're doing right now. This is a multi. This is an international concept, and you know, arguably they say in places where mosquitoes are an issue. But I can prove to you that this is, and as they say themselves, it does not simply stay in the area that they put them in. Same thing with the GM mosquito concept. It's interesting how the overlaps are always there. Quote, rabies control keeps people, pets, and livestock safe. Well, I mean, that's a nice statement. That would be true, and I'm not saying it's not, but I don't, my personal opinion, I don't think any of these things are safe. But But it would be true if you knew that those were safe, that there was no negative effects, and then it was, in fact, having an effect on the population regarding rabies. <laughs> Guess what? I also don't think that's happening. And I'll, I'll get into the stats. As you know, I will do. But anyway, the point I want to show you, because I said I would start with the mosquito point, which we will, is just to see what we're dealing with here. So those that just catch this part realize that on October 4th to 9th, these are the areas that will be, they'll be literally, and I mean, this is they're airdropping vaccine packets that are edible, that can literally, tra- like if it touches your skin, they argue, oh, an open wound and so on, but I'll go through the examples that this will, this can have an effect on your animals, especially when they smell fish, which is what they have on the outside packet, and they eat it. Fourth to ninth, Hamilton, Bradley counties, October 10th to 12th, Greens, Hawkins, Sullivan, Carter. Now, this is just Tennessee from local Tennessee. So I recommend you branch out and look at the other areas because I bet you this is happening all over the country. Anyway, this, the link is included if you want to know. Oh, and the best part, each bait is marked with a toll-free number for people to call for assistance. And should you call, it's not an active number. I called before I started in hopes that I could ask them, what's in this stuff? And then I did my own research and found it anyway. Isn't that great? Call it right now. You'll find out that it's not an active number. Now, you could argue it's because they, well, it hasn't happened yet. Well, it has been happening. It's been happening. Here's 2022 and many times in 2022 and year before that, year before that. And so what happens if somebody stumbles across one of those packets now? Oh, well, the number's not active, so too bad. That's ridiculous to me. Now, keep that in mind. That's happening. And we're going to break that down. And I'm going to go through this as quick as possible. We just went over this. September 22nd, obligatory pesticide spraying in New York City. That opened up another conversation for me where we saw them spraying with the, uh, the back of their trucks right down residential neighborhoods. Now, that's important because we showed you that the perethroid p- pesticides they were spraying are dangerous. I mean, more dangerous than most of the things that we're talking about. The kind of stuff that there's all sorts of peer-reviewed studies and documentation and covers and and cover people covering, like we talked about NYC spraying, that the the website I believe it was NYC spraying, where they're literally documenting this for 20 years: animals dying, pets dying, the 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 spraying's actually killing all the predators of the mosquitoes the bats and the dragonflies and all sorts of stuff. So they come back stronger. And then you find out that the tetracycline in the sewers are making them even stronger anyway. So somewhere they claim between three and 15% don't die, get stronger than breed. And those ones are affected by what they're doing. I'm going to prove to you that they know that's happening in the conversation where they discuss tetracycline, where they literally go, well, we know this isn't working anymore. So we got to find something different. What? So you've known this for a decade, but yet you're still drenching people's homes in this stuff. Uh-huh. I'll read you the article next that Mr. Engelsby shared. That's in New York Times telling you right now, we need something new. This isn't working. Well, tell that to New York City that just got drenched in stuff that is hurting them and also not working. Fantastic. That's the kind of thing we get from people that are there to protect you. The point is this is ongoing. 
And then we covered and we went further on this on the 25th. U.S. government's toxic pesticide program seems deliberate. And I went further finding out that the other ones they were using and they're spraying all sorts of we went through three main spray, uh, all perethroid pesticides. And all of them are super da- well, two more than the other one, but very dangerous. At the very least, have negative side effects that you do not want. That it should be your choice, especially for what they're spraying it for, West Nile. That seems basically, it's not benign, but in the context of what we're, else we're talking about, it should be the last thing we're drenching ourselves in dangerous chemicals for, if ever. And then I want, I'll include this for those that want to go through this, just to make sure you see the main points that I want people not to miss. Which, as I said in this tweet, are you aware that the GM mosquitoes released in California and Florida and elsewhere are an ongoing experiment? This is not a for debate. This is not a conspiracy theory. This is not something that we should even be questioning. This is a direct statement here. I'll just open up the page itself from the EPA's own website under regulations.gov for the EPA. Oh, technically, excuse me, the regulations website, but for the EPA's section. And it is experimental use permit that has been amended. So meaning it's already there and they're just updating or changing it to allow releases of the same OX5034 Aegis aegypti mosquitoes. Environmental Protection Agency. Experimental use permit. This has been going on for a decade or more, or 20 years, in fact, in New York City at the very least. So my point is, this has been an experiment. And for those that even still dispute that, in these shows, I broke this down explicitly. They know that. And it's even I did it on a peer-reviewed study that breaks down where it says the FDA, excuse me, the FDA approved the uncaged mosquito trial. Under an experimental permit. That's what it says. Plain as day from the FDA's approval. That never changed. There's, and that's my point. To this very thing, you can see they've only continued to amend the experimental release. And I also showed you the reason they did that was in order to justify trying to get other countries around the world to do it. Well, I argue that was, there's a lot more to it than that. But that's one of the kind of surface level reasons that people were discussing in regard to the foreign policy of it all. So it's an experiment. Very clearly. And then why that's so concerning and why that makes so much sense is because they're, this is what they're trying to suss out. This was 2019 where they found, oh, look at that. The DNA that was supposed to be not spreading and killing them or rather the, the specific editing that they were doing was supposed to manipulate the mosquitoes and then allow them not to breed and to kill specific, I think it was the females or it was the males, whichever way it went, to stop them from breeding. Turns out, They were finding DNA spread by genetically modified mosquitoes in all sorts of newly bred mosquitoes. In this case, they found that between 5 and 60% of the insects had some DNA. Realize what that means. That's the braiding of the ones that that were supposed to die. Passing that along. That's why they're getting stronger. And in one case, 13% of the genome of this mosquito was complete. the, The DNA that makes them not, that's supposed to stop them, from breeding, but they are. And the point is that they're showing a resistance to all of this. And then realize that we have their own documentation that shows, and this is the archive page from Oxitex, the FOIA request that they were forced to release that shows very clearly that they were getting 15% survival of the transgenic line versus the three that they were getting in the lab, which means from the very beginning, 3% were still getting out. So it's almost like they guaranteed that this would eventually not work. Maybe that was the whole point. And it was all about tetracycline. They claim it was about the chicken that they were giving, but we know it's in the sewers and so on. None of this can be disputed. This is this is gold, high-level, top-level source material directly from the companies involved. 
So if we know that and we know that it's spreading and we know that it's, I mean, it's, it's a shut open to shut case. So this brings me to the point of what Thomas, Thomas Inglesby shared. Not that, I mean, I only make that point because I think he's a kind of a usual suspect and I'll give you a couple points before we go to the rabies discussion, but let me quickly go through this. This was from the 29th. The article he shared is entitled mosquitoes are a growing public health threat reversing years of progress. Well, I think we know why it says they are testing new insecticides and ingenious new ways of delivering them. Cool. Testing where and on who? Probably you. That's what seems to continue to happen. They are peering at windows at night, watching for the mosquitoes that home in on sleeping people. Isn't that hone in? I thought that was hone in. They are collecting blood from babies, from moto taxi drivers, from goat herders, and from their goats to track the parasites and mosquitoes they carry. Yeah, maybe that's why. Maybe something more. Who knows? It seems as though the mosquitoes are winning. Okay. So it's simple in 2023. If you've been doing this for 20 years and the mosquitoes are winning, hmm, I think that's an easy, whether there's intent or not, it's kind of easy to see, right? It didn't work. Or at the very least, they adapted and it's not working anymore. I quite frankly think that this was never working because we can prove that you go back a decade, they were writing articles going, hey, it didn't kill them all. They got stronger and it's not happening and there's more mosquitoes than ever. Yet today, somehow we go, well, like it's just, it's amazing how much the corporate media can, because they're being driven to do so, just like rewrite history with nothing but their narrative. But we can point at it and go, that's a lie. And they go, fake news. It's just, it's a very compelling dynamic for some people that don't see through it all. But my point is, it seems they're not that they're winning. Well, right. And I'll show you why. And I, I already basically discussed it. But the idea is that that seems to be a, an easy justification to keep doing more things. And this is where I think I overlap it with all of this. Whether it's getting these animals increasingly sick to justify what they do next and so on. Now, I'm not saying that's what's happening. Just considering these possibilities, you can see the same thing here. That now you got more, so we need more spreading and more pesticides and more GM mosquitoes and more flying vaccinators and all these different conversations. Less than a decade ago, it was the humans who appeared to have gained a clear edge in the fight, but I, that's not true. I can show you documents, articles from the corporate media, even years after they started this, going, it's not working. <laughs> but yeah, but this is what I mean by just going, well, we say it does today, so therefore you're wrong, right? Syria's gassed all these civilians. And it's like, but here we proved it wrong. There we proved it wrong. There we proved it. We proved it with Carla Del Ponte from the UN saying you were wrong on the record. But, you know, they go on and say it happened again and again and again. The narrative solidifies in some people's minds. Some people don't even know what I'm talking about, but it's okay. <laughs> then it goes on to say, against the mosquito, but over the last few years, the progress has not only stalled, it has reversed. So hear that. Not just that they've gotten gone lost ground, it's gone the other direction. So it's worse than it ever was. That's the point. The insecticides used since the 1970s to spray in houses and on bed nets. God only knows what kind of non... That, well, they, we know. They were using things like DDT and, and Agent Orange and all these, these terrible things they were using that were hurting people. It says they have become far less effective. Mosquitoes have evolved to survive them. Now, what I think they're desperately trying to do is conflate the older things from then to now. What they're talking about is what they're using now. But you see, when you don't know that, you read this and go, oh, they've been using it for 50 years, so it's about time we changed. <laughs> nope. These things have changed dramatically since then. The new things they're using are not working, and maybe by design. But it says they've become far less effective. They've evolved to survive. After declining to historic low in 2015, malaria cases and deaths are rising. Are they rising? Or you just, you just see these new cases directly following the release of GM mosquitoes to stop malaria? Weird coincidence, don't you think? 
Climate change has brought mosquitoes carrying viruses. Oh, is that what it is? It's climate change. Well, I had to include one of those. It's 47 times this article. Climate change is causing the things that we can't connect it to, but we know it's there because we tell you it is climate change. I mean, that's an easy way to cover up that they've genetically manipulated entire genomes of a mosquito species that are now mutating like crazy and causing all sorts of new problems. But, you know, climate change. Two places where they have never been found before. Okay, well, here's an easy possibility. Are we going to pretend that mosquitoes are flying across the ocean or that you're releasing them in places they've never been before? Something you could think about. This past summer, the United States saw its first locally transmitted case of malaria in 20 years with nine case report cases reported in Texas, Florida, and Maryland. Right. So they've been using these things for a long time, and then suddenly we have this pop up. There's only two ways to look at that. Either this thing's not working, or that caused it. There's no, like, this is the best thing, and we should still do it. I mean, I guess it's up for you to decide, but the bottom line to me is that this is, even if you think that's the case, one couple of cases is not enough to justify what we will show you in regard to how dangerous this stuff is. Scientists around the world are pressing hard for new solutions. And this is where this article is meant to go, you see, including novel technologies that we won't really get into, but we want to plant that seed for you. So Bill Gates can swing in and go, I have a novel technology that we've tested and is safe and effective. Dr. Okomo is testing, it says. They have developed some promising approaches, including a new generation of tools that modifies mosquitoes' biology and genetically to block disease. Well, what do you know? Totally. Un- like, are we supposed to pretend like that's not exactly what they're pushing in like every other facet of, quote, medicine everywhere under the sun? So we're going to genetically edit mosquitoes so they can they won't get sick and then you're all good. Right. But then until we find out there's some byproduct of that, like we're seeing in everybody you're giving genetically modified injections to and then they spread even worse disease. And then we have to fix that problem with some new genetically modified medicine on and on and on. This is the product they've lived by, guys. Here's your medication to stop X, Y, and Z. But it's got 47 side effects, but we've got medications for those too. This is what they do. And I'm not saying it's always by design, but it's profiteering at the very least. And I mean, we're, we're, now we're going to stand by as they genetically manipulate a species, which by the way, they've already been doing for decades. And this is causing problems. So it's just one more thing. And they're the ones telling you that mosquitoes are the most deadly thing, deadliest thing on earth because of what all the disease they spread. And here they are literally manipulating their genome. That sounds like a safe bet, doesn't it? The process for getting any of these tools to the places where children fall ill with each new season of rain involves years of testing and regulatory reviews that are painfully slow and badly underfunded. Quote, it's just ridiculous how much time we have wasted before we can get into the field and actually start saving lives. Well, yeah, that's one way to put it. So it's the same thing that we just talked about the other day where the guy was going, just stop hamstringing us just oh it was oh that's funny it was just this it's on this actually it's on this very talk where basically hotez is pleading with people to you know just let the virologist do their gain of function which he doesn't call it that because not letting them experiment is costing lives well i think we know better than that today and i think we very much know the reality of the situation that has in fact cost lives and it's not federal unfettered testing by many multifaceted people I'm not going to pretend that every virologist is an evil villain, but I think we know some are, or just bad people, or morally ambiguous. But yeah, but Hotez wants you to pretend that anybody saying otherwise is a conspiracy theorist, and we should let people like him just do whatever they want without even any without any regulatory overlook over, oversight. That's not a joke. So here we are, where they're going. It's just ridiculous how much time we've wasted by not letting. A, and by the way, that's while they have been doing this for 20 years. I mean, it's just it's ridiculous. 
They just want more unfettered access, I guess. But get, the process for getting any of these tools in places where children fall ill. So you have an experimental thing that you want to test, but you want to get it at children first. Yep, that, sounds, oh, that also feels like a recurring topic, doesn't it? Malaria deaths, which fell to historic lows, so we're told anyway, of about 575,000 in 2019, rose significantly over the next two years and stood at 620,000 in 2021. The last year for which there's golden data. Well, just here's just a potential overlap. We know that in 2017, they announced that they were going to release genetic, genetically engineered mosquitoes in 20 states. And yes, this is Oxitec and it is Bill Gates, Aegis Adipta. You know, it's the same conversation. So they didn't release it in 2017. Not that I can tell, not in the way that they wanted to. But if you read the documentation, it goes into the next year because it's November. And then they went through the process and it eventually got released. Right. So you're talking maybe so many months before this discussion in 2019, where suddenly everything changed. I, I'm not saying I can prove I'm not see, I'm not corporate media. I'm not going to pretend that means everything I wanted to without any due diligence. But I will tell you that that's a very interesting correlation to see that the time frame when they basically release something that you can't put back in the bottle, genetically modified species that now change their app, their environment. And then all of a sudden, the next two years, boom, it gets worse. Just like you release malaria-fighting mosquitoes in Florida and Texas, and then boom, we get malaria cases. Could be. You could decide for yourself. Anyone telling you that that's dumb to even ask is a terrified person that is probably worried they're going to be proven wrong or maybe has some stake in this game. Or something else. Who knows? One of the main reasons is that mosquitoes are highly adaptable. It says, as more and more people are protected by nets or sprays at home, mosquitoes have begun to bite more outdoors in the daytime. Of course, because that's why they're very intelligent, critically thinking mosquitoes that are going, wait, we've got nets every time we come in here. Let's start waiting for them outside. Now, there's probably some evolutionary aspect of something like that. But to pretend it's because you have put nets up and now they're finding different ways to do it, as opposed to them just being everywhere, because you're creating a dynamic that makes them stronger, bigger, last longer, mutated, all sorts of things, which all of the peer-reviewed science in these shows we've covered makes that abundantly clear. Not a blog. Not some tweet, peer-reviewed science. It's amazing what people dismiss today. And I'm not saying that blindly makes it true either. What it means is that it's possible. And yet we're not allowed to talk about it. But yes, mosquitoes have learned. They're taking notes. And now they don't fly in your home because, well, there's nets sometimes. So we're going to wait for you outside and in the daytime. That's literally what their argument is. Because the genetic makeup of mosquitoes evolves quickly in response to changing environmental conditions, they've also developed resistance resistance to the class of insecticides. Or maybe that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, let's get past the, they thought critically and avoided the nets to you've used something that's caused them to change. That makes a lot more sense, doesn't it? New York, New York Times, I think so. The ultimate point is that they have res- developed resistance to the very thing that they're drenching your homes in and they're still using it anyway. Even though that had minimal effect to begin with, actually we proven didn't work at all, made them stronger, killed their predators and they came back stronger but even then they're arguing that it has a resistance so not even the argument they make even stands anymore and yet they're still doing it there's more spraying coming up i think in the next week right now the multiplying risks experts say mean there is an urgent need for a method to protect people from all mosquitoes so is the logic just well let's just use the thing we have because even though we know it doesn't work it makes it worse and we've even proven they're resistant to it but let's just do it anyway, though, even though there's side effects, because we don't know what else to do. That sure sounds like government, doesn't it? They're telling you right there. 
But it takes a decade or more to design, develop, test, to proceed a, and produce a new technology. Well, so we'll just keep spraying them with this dangerous thing, and even though it doesn't have an effect until we figure it out. But do you, do you get the bigger point there? So they're going, hey, whoa, whoa, we need an entire decade to design, develop, and test this to make sure that it's safe. But quickly take this new booster because we don't know. Right? That makes a lot of sense. And it gets even better. The bulk of the money for these efforts to date has come from high-income nations and private philanthropists. That wasn't the point. It's another one in here. But the point is that, you know, Bill Gates and people like that. That's what they're talking about. Not philanthropists, but there's another term for it I forgot now. Anyway, I'm taking too much time on this. Let's keep going. Under insects, insecticides that don't work. Most of the current insecticides in use are pyrethroids, which were developed in the 70s. That's why you know they're safe. <laughs> well, in fact, we've proven the exact opposite. The pyrethroids are super dangerous and you should not want them around your children. With mosquitoes around the world now highly resistant to them. What? There is an urgent search for something new. Well, how long has that been going on? And do you tell that to the people spraying in New York City or in Florida or anywhere else that they're resistant to what you're using and have worse side effects? No, they don't care. They just use them anyway. And in fact, seem to be using the ones that are most dangerous. In 2005, Bill and, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation invested $50 million in a project called Innovate Vector Control Consortium to search for effective insecticide compounds. Isn't it weird how Bill and Melinda Gates seem to be in every conversation the consortium asked large agrochemical companies to look in their chemical libraries for molecules that might affect mosquitoes in novel ways and be safe and durable enough. Don't miss that. And be safe and durable enough. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's crazy they even wrote it like that. Is that what you want? Safe enough for your children? I'm just, it's amazing to me that this is the kind of dialogue we get. Like, that's acceptable. They're what they're really creeping in on you. The mission creep of it all is that you really don't have a choice. We started with four and a half million compounds, they said. And now we're down to four. So this long, arduous process has been going on. In the meantime, they're still using the thing they know doesn't work. That does hurt you. They have to kill mosquitoes in a substantially different way than pyrethroids do. Why? Well, because mosquitoes develop resistance, not just to an individual chemical, but to the way the chemical kills them. Seems like they really know this doesn't work. Companies must now complete the safety and testing process on the only four comp compounds that tick all those boxes, right? You got to make sure you make test it decade long. Quote, it's always a race with the mosquito who is faster. It says usually the mosquito wins because it develops the resistance much faster than the new products come out. But let's just keep doing it anyway. Like that's the whole feeling of this, that they're losing and they're rapidly trying to find something new. And do you think that allows them to go, well, it's there's some risks, but we're in a risk. We're in a time race here. And they're super deadly, we're telling people. So let's just, we'll overlook that one problem. Well, that happens everywhere. It says, in one $33 million project, researchers are testing the effectiveness of spatula repellents. Squares of plastic film that can be hung on the walls inside your home and that disperse low doses of a chemical that confuses mosquitoes and prevents them from biting. <laughs> That's the last thing. So a new thing like that is probably the thing you'll find out in 30 years gives you cancer. So the last thing I'm going to do is get anywhere near that. Yeah, it's only a low-level chemical that confuses them at some neurological level. Totally fine for you for 30 seconds. Now, it says some experts believe the emergence of dengue fever and now malaria in middle and high-income countries could generate new funding. Yeah, quiet part out loud a little bit because it creates a wealthier market that almost it's always because we know this is real so what we do is highlight the funding which will help them fight the real thing but or you could just cut out that first part and realize more funding well let's make it a problem for high-income countries 
Now, there was, the point was that I guess there wasn't another aspect of that, which is ultimately the part I was talking about up here. Yeah, well, it takes a decade or more to design. Well, it's interesting how you need to wait a decade to make sure this is safe, but you won't, you know, like I said before, I just think that's really telling. Now, on that note, just go making sure you realize that they're still pushing this based on the idea that these things work, or rather that they don't, but pushing the idea that we need to alter things in even more manipulative ways. Thomas Ingleby realized who, and there's a couple articles I'll include, Engineering Contagion, and the, and the series they're in where Whitney mentions, mentions him and Laura, Laura uh, O'Toole, or Tara O'Toole, and all the different overlaps with the Dark Winter exercise, Clade X, Dark Winter, I mean, all of it. Yeah, did I say that first? Either way, all these different, Event 201 is what I meant to say. Read this yourself. There's a lot in there. Here's one of her other articles as well where he's mentioned. I'll just, I'll just read from you from Derek's overlap called The Dark, Darkest Winter that kind of encapsulates this very well. What is important to know is Dark Winter, the exercise, was largely written and designed by Tara O'Toole and Thomas Inglesby of the Johns Hopkins Center, along with Randy Larson and Mark Demir of the Analytic Services Institute for Homeland Security. O'Toole, Inglesby, and Larson were directly involved with the response to the alleged anthrax attacks, which took place in the days after September 11th. Excuse me, September 11th. These individuals personally briefed the president, uh, the, the vice president, Cheney, on Dark Winter. Coincidentally, Event 201 was co-hosted by Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security, which is currently led by Dark Winter co-author Thomas Inglesby. Tara O'Toole was also a key player in the Claydex simulation. Like the, uh, the fact that these same characters who are now pushing the same, what I see as a very central part of what's happening in every one of these, I mean, that's really concerning to me. And then here's just a general post from the Event 201 concept. Pandemic simulation exercise spotlights massive preparedness gap. It really does shake up assumptions and change thinking about how we can prepare for a global pandemic, says Thomas Inglesby, right before we have a illusion of a global pandemic. Event 201 is the fourth such exercise hosted by Johns Hopkins Center, which works to prepare communities for biological threats, pandemics, and other disasters. Does that include mosquito spread born ill and more ills? Well, possibly. Well, let's get to the video here where they're telling you we're now, and the point, don't forget, is that these things, which I'll show you that they're spreading, have one of the leading active ingredients of tetracycline. So the very thing that allows that mosquito problem to continue to be a problem, in part, at the very least, they're dumping all over the country. I just think that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And there's a lot of other aspects of that. So is that deliberate? So before, think about that as we go through this. And of course, as I keep up on the screen here, and they aren't harmful, she says. You got to love that. So let's start with their clip and then show you how completely wrong they are as usual. On News 5, a Fairhope woman says her dogs ate. Apologies. That was the wrong clip. I jumped out of that quickly because I want to save that for after this. Inversionism shared that with me, but you already know the point that dogs, children, these things have hurt people. And that's what's crazy to me. It's on the record. But first, the clip that they're sharing telling you that that, which is what the clip is about to tell you, the dogs ate it and died. Not possible, even though it happened. Packets of vaccines fell from the skies across East Tennessee today. This is an ongoing project by state and federal leaders to cut the cases of rabies in wild animals. The disease is preventable, but it can be deadly in humans. 10 News reporter Caitlin Keenahan joins us with an effort that targets raccoons. Caitlin? John, Cruz spent much of the day dropping vaccine baits all across East Tennessee. Rabies is rare. There was just one case of raccoon rabies in East Tennessee in 2021. One case in the entire year. 
So we're going to tell it. We're going to we're going to pretend that doing this is okay because of one case. Because you realize the point is that this, whether it's prevalent in the wild or not, it tra- what tra- whether it translates into cases in humans. So you're going to dump this around that will, I can almost guarantee, cause enough negative side effects, even with what I just generally understand of it today, to, that will outweigh by far one case of rabies. That's, out, that's alarming. I mean, that, that to me was the first reason I'm like, well, okay, something else is going on here. Whether it's a test, an, ex- an experiment to find out what these will do, I don't know. But that does not add up. The benefits do not outweigh the risks, period. But the managers of this program want that number to be zero. And there's your point about the COVID-19 game. There is no such thing. No matter what you do, right? The idea, like, they, they, without with the COVID discussion, oh, we want to get it down to no, no one person is too much. Well, that's, that's a guarantee to make sure that you always have an excuse to do what you want to do. Same thing here. One case, one case is enough to spread all of these air, potential, well, I'll get to it. The way these things can spread and the risk to everybody else around you, including children, animals, dogs, cats. The idea of whether or not these things transmit to people, which is proven according to the peer-reviewed science, for one case. At least a milliliter, from what I understand. This is an up-close look at the raccoon rabies vaccine. The USDA Wildlife Services team is loading millions of them into this little plane. We use planes to get a majority of the baits out, and the reason for that is because we are covering a really large area. On Thursday afternoon, crews took flight over Cock, Green, and Hawkins County. The immediate goal of this project, as well as the, the program as a whole, is to prevent the spread of raccoon rabies into new areas where it doesn't currently exist. All right, so to stop that one case from happening again, essentially. The idea to spread those rabies vaccines by air took root on the ground. And then ask yourself how much that costs, by the way, that you pay for as a taxpayer for one case. Beginning in the late 1990s, we started this oral rabies vaccine program. It is really the most effective way to manage for and prevent rabies on the landscape. Success on the forest floor propelled vaccine distribution into the skies. Yeah, I mean, if that wasn't clear by now, yeah, it's an oral vaccine. I, I'm pretty sure I said that, but in case that wasn't clear, it, it's, I mean, edible was the point. But these are, these are little packets that are coated in fish substance, oils, and so on, that makes the animals want to eat them. And then when they eat them, the thing, the thing is, you know, it basically, in the, once they hit your mouth and saliva, the thing spreads. And so this is something that is very clearly easily spread by other animals or children or anything else, which, again, there are cases of. So sorry if I didn't make that clear. Crews funnel those fishy smelling vaccine baits to the hungry critters down below. They'll bite into them thinking it's, a, you know, some other type of alternate food. And then the vaccine will coat the back of their throat and that's how they'll become vaccinated. A wild idea to get rid of a wild disease. By vaccinating these animals... We're creating a barrier. We're preventing the spread, which thereby reduces the number of animals that could potentially spread the disease into, uh, you know, into households through people's pets or their livestock. Now, just based on the numbers, that doesn't seem to be the case. <clears throat> I mean, the numbers of how, the prevalence of rabies in general, <clears throat> that does not seem to be the case. And all we're really talking about here is the trans, the overlap to humans. Right. So if you're doing this and you've been doing this for years, which they have. And the amount that we see in the human population does not change. And yet we know that there is a negative side effect to this, which there is. One is too many. They're telling us that right now, right? What about the individual that got vaccinia, cowpox, smallpox overlap because they touched this thing? Well, that one's too much, right? Didn't they tell us that? 
Why isn't the same in reverse? Seems pretty simple. pretty silly, doesn't it? If your pet dog or cat finds and eats a bait, don't worry. Federal managers say they've tested those baits on 60 different species and they aren't harmful. We'll see them drop those baits in other parts of East Tennessee throughout the weekend. John. I mean, that's a that's a blatant lie. I mean, I, do you think this woman even knows or cares? Doesn't matter. She's going she's out. She's just out of the bar right now. Doesn't even matter. All right, the point is that that's a relayed data point from people telling them what to say. If you really think for a second, these people do their due diligence when it's so it's it's peer-reviewed science pops up all over the place with these things. The, the point is to say they're harmless is is. I mean, I, it's I would go. I mean, my, I don't think it's a criminal act for the media to do is to lie. Right. But the idea of what they're trying to frame the the. If, you know, for anybody out there trying to frame words as violence kind of conversation, the people that might, and even then I would argue they have free speech no matter what, but that is the kind of language that translates into harm, right? Lying to people and telling them something is safe when it's not. Simple. But they still have right to do it, right? But we just need to be honest about what they're doing. They're hurting people. So here's the article again. Rabies vaccine to be airdropped across southeastern Tennessee. Right, it looks like at least in the in the general Tennessee area, it's going to be going all the way to October fourteenth. Here's what it says: each bait is marked with this number, which again, as checked earlier today, it, I got you know the do 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 bad number thing for people to call for assistance or information if they find it, which you can't do right now. It says if your pet or or if your if you or your pet finds a vaccine bait package, can find your pet and look for other baits in the area. Wear gloves and use a towel to toss bait in a wooded or fence row area. That's that's pretty clear. You have to wear gloves and towels and, and lock them up. Something's wrong. That's not this for one case in 2021. That's not OK with me. Not and it's not in, at all, to be quite frank. I don't care how many cases there were. It's not your right to be able to spread these things in areas where you could affect my children, my animals. And it says, do not try to remove the oral rabies vaccine packet from your pet's mouth as you could be bitten. That's a strange thing to say. I mean, my, my thought on all this is I'm going to show you. First of all, this is a live rabies injection or substance. So what we're going to show you is that there is an overlap here. And even then with the animals, there's a 48-hour window where this can, you know, I don't know if that has any kind of an effect on their mental status. But it's an interesting thing to say. These baits should be removed from where your pet could easily eat them. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Why are you dumping them in areas where you have to put out notices and say, watch out for your dogs? I mean, honestly, that's the first thing that freaked me out. That I'm going to come home and have there'll be a, packets in my backyard. And that has happened to a child. It says eating the baits won't harm your pet. That's not true. There's already examples of pets dying. And that's according to their own documentation. But the point is the corporate media, their job is to relay the narrative to you. We need to understand. I mean, most of you know this by now. But mo- a lot of average people have yet to understand that. I don't mean that sometimes they don't say things that are accurate. Right? I mean, they just said they should be removed from your yard. That's true. Right, so there's levels of true things that the point is that what they're doing is simply relaying to you what they're supposed to say about this. We have this idea some people do. These are journalists out there breaking down the story and seeking out the information that doesn't happen anymore. Remember that old story about how most of the mainstream news, almost all of them today, no longer hire investigative journalists. It's not a joke. Don't I, I guess we missed why? Because <laughs> they don't care about breaking the story down anymore. It's about relaying the news in a way that gets them more funding. But the baits won't hurt your pet is a lie. But consuming several baits might upset their stomach. Oh, 
Right. So let me ask you this. If you gave a, an animal multiple rabies vaccines, wouldn't that hurt them? They'll tell you yes, but not this time. They can eat 14 of these things. Oh, well, you're up a stomach. Don't worry. That's ridiculous. Wear gloves or a towel when you pick up the bait where there's no harm touching. There, while there's no harm in touching undamaged baits, they have a strong fish meal smell. So what they're saying is that these things only have an issue when they're, there's pressure put on the package. But I'll show you in multiple examples whether that's happened. They don't know it. Well, I guess that's the main point. People don't know that. How do you know whether it's... And either way, that's why they're saying wear gloves and so on. But wash your hands thoroughly with soap and water. Instruct children to leave the baits alone. Okay, if you have to tell people to instruct your children to not touch the dangerous rabies baits on your yard, I think there's a problem. Now, here's just the general post. Wildlife vaccination project to protect Tennesseans from rabid raccoons. Is it a problem? I mean, I'm sure there's rabid raccoons, but I think my question is whether or not this was a problem before they started dumping rabies vaccines, rabies substance around the rural areas with raccoons. So let's go through the study itself from 2017. Now, what this is, is Raboral VRG, oral vaccination of wildlife using the Vaccinia rabies glycoprotein recumbent virus vaccine. So it's like a, it's like a dual multivalent kind of concept. Now, remember, Vaccinia, cowpox, which, I mean, they, they, that term can kind of be for like a pox issue. They're blends of, you know, they use that. It's kind of like the general cowpox original. That's where the term vaccine even comes from originally. The point is that there's been examples of humans that have touched this stuff and gotten a version of vaccinia, of cowpox. Raboral VRG is an oral rabies vaccine bait that contains an attenuated, modified, live recumbent vaccinia virus vector vaccine expressing the rabies virus glycoprotein gene. So it's, very, it's similar to the, the delivery of the spike protein concept, except this is not an mRNA, not as far as I can tell. And I actually didn't even search in that for just specifically mRNA. That's not what it looks like. That's the, uh, the highlighter does that. You can see my search. Yeah, it doesn't look. The point is though, that this doesn't, this is an older thing, an oral thing. And it doesn't, it just, that doesn't even overlap in my mind. But the point is, I don't even know why they would be honest about that, quite frankly. But it says approximately, get this, 250 million doses have been distributed globally since 1987. Since 1987. I mean, it's, it's just as likely as the other conversations that these things they're doing with when they don't, you know, know, don't know the long-term side effects could be causing some kind of adverse, you know, causing them to get worse, to grow. The problem now seems to be coming back and maybe it's by design. I don't know. But the point is, have we known that? Did, or did they know it was safe in 1987? I mean, I could prove to you it's not now. We're being tested on, I think, in every in a million different ways. Riboral VRG is the commercial vaccine bait product, which consists of an edible bait attracted coated plastic sachet. Oh, this is just to show you the exact terminology and really the image is right there. That's exactly what we we're just talking about. That is the same thing. Same product. Here's what it says under the point that first stood out to me. Tetracycline biomarker. Okay, so if we know that tetracycline is the reason, as they're pointing out right here, that these mosquitoes were not dying and getting worse. Well, we could show you that in this stuff that they're spray, they've sprayed 250 million doses around the country. The FMP bait, so the bait we're talking about, contains tetracycline hydrochloride as a calcophilic phyllic biomarker that deposits in the growing bones and teeth of animals consuming the baits. Interesting. 
So the point is, first of all, that these things they're dumping everywhere has this, which I guarantee has some level of overlap in the environment. But it ends up in the animals, which I find interesting. Teeth or jawbone samples can be analyzed to detect tetracycline residues as fluorescent lines in the bone matrix under ultraviolet light. So they're saying they can use this to essentially find out whether they've eaten it. But what's interesting is that other articles I've read that show you that the most, a lot of these animals just swallow them. And so you don't even have an example of this in their bones and it ends up in their body. And so they don't even know the full numbers. It's, it's the point is it's all over the place that we're being tested. That this is an, this is an experiment in real time under the guise that we have an issue. But if we only have one case in 2021, well, we know that's not true. Vaccine safety. Following consumption of the vaccine bait, VRG replicates locally in the in your in your throat at the site of vaccine exposure. Replicates locally. But they tell you, okay, but the, the point is that this only is low level and causes a reaction to get antibodies. But is it not possible with a live replicating that this could end up getting them sick? And they could spread that. Well, yes. I mean, it doesn't matter how much they try to say, the idea that we I mean, look at the oral polio vaccine. Right now, they're literally fighting the vaccine-derived oral strain of polio and acting like that's the unvaccinated fault, which you can prove in their own documents, calling it an, a vaccine-derived strain. That's because of what, the, what Bill Gates' program, hey, look at that. Well, same thing. So this is possible. So I simply pose the possibility that what they're doing is causing the rabies issue, especially when they become resistant to it and so on. But it says the virus has comparable tissue tropism of the parental vaccinia strain and is not typically disseminated system, 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 systemically excuse me, or excreted in oral secretions for more than a few days after administration. Okay, so then it does, though. For two days, you have cowpox and rabies excreted in oral secretions. How was that not likely to spread? significantly, I mean, think about what animals do in their day process. 48 hours, you've got this thing able to spread that. Significantly reducing the likelihood of environmental shedding. Let's not forget what it says up here. Oh, I actually forgot. I don't think I highlighted it. Is not shed by vaccinees into the environment. That's what it says in the abstract. And this is exactly why you don't just read the abstract like the corporate media does is not shed. So when she goes, nope, safe, not harmful, doesn't spread. Well, maybe that's what they just read, the abstract, except that's not what it says down here. When you actually read it in its entirety, when it says that it it significantly reducing the likelihood of environmental shedding, which means it does happen. Even by that statement means some always happens. It just significantly reduces that possibility that continues to happen to a small degree. Okay, well, what the hell are we talking about? So you're literally giving animals something that could then spread if that animal then comes in contact with a person, which I'll show you that's in this too. It says VRG was detected up to 48 hours post-inoculation in the tonsil tissue, in the buccal mucosa and the soft palate of foxes. Given the lack of systemic dissemination or extended excretion after immunization, extended, so that's again, it's not that it doesn't, it just doesn't happen a lot, they're saying. Given the the lack of extended excretion after immunization, contact transfer of this injection, that's that's what we're talking about, BRG, between vaccinated and unvaccinated animals 
has generally been uncommon. That's a self-spreading vaccine. If it happens once or 500 times. If you're telling me that you give this to an animal and then that animal transfers the injection to an unvaccinated animal, whether uncommon or not, it's happening. That's what it says right there. But has been observed, again, just to make it clear, it says uncommon in the laboratory, but has been observed when contact in intimate when contact is intimate and proximate to vaccine ingestion. Simple. So you realize what they're giving them is not unique to animals. It's just it's a it's just the protein in regard to va- the vaccinia and rabies issue. So if that animal comes along, you can get sick. And it does I'll get to it. I'm just pointing out the clear example that sheds spreads between un- animals and 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 potentially humans. And that's not a problem. In one study, a control female fox was bitten by a male that had been vaccinated orally minutes prior. Now, their whole game is that it's only 48 hours, but why would we buy that? Let's just, but let's just take it at face value for the conversation, but realize I do not believe that. I don't know why that even makes sense. What, what mechanism is stopping this from being active in 48 hours? Just because that's what you saw in the lab? Or what they tell us they saw in the lab? I don't know. That doesn't make sense to me. But let's begin. For sake of conversation, let's say 48 hours. There's still a, a two-day period where this thing is able to spread to other animals. And does that then stop in them? Does it get them sick? It says in one study, the control female was bitten and they, and right after they, you know, minutes after they got the injection or the oral injection, <clears throat> the bitten control female seroconverted and subsequently resisted rabies virus challenge. Okay. So by shedding, which will prove, which is proven. And then by biting. So that's the point about it being in your saliva. So they bit the other fox. And then what do you know? The fox is seroconverted. Now, let's not pretend this means healthy. All it means, and I just I'll inclu- I included this here for seropositive in general, indicating a positive reaction, really the presence of antibodies. So what they're saying is that this did indeed create the reaction in the fox's body to produce antibodies for something that that means there, there was an issue. So by biting it, it did transfer to the animal. Simple enough. In another case, two adult raccoons housed with orally immunized cage mates, just housed with them, developed low levels of the injection and also survived rabies challenge. That's terrifying. Two adult raccoons simply in the same area self-spread to these other animals and they, whatever they say, survive the rabies challenge, which means they infect them and they don't essentially don't get sick or die. I mean, it's more abstract than that, but to make it simple. In another case, in the same cage or in the same connected area transmitted to them. Finally, half of non-vaccinated raccoons, half in contact with raccoon kits orally vaccinated, developed detectable. Oh, well, well, I should take just for clear. This is the injection. This is just simply a rabies virus uh, neutralizing antibodies. That's what it stands for. So that's clear. So we're talking, all of it's talking about the same injection, though. So what it's saying is half of the uninjected, or I hate even saying injected if we're talking about an oral vaccine or injection, but I got either way. The point is the raccoons in contact with those non-vaccinated or, or that, with, that did have the oral vaccine developed detectable antibodies, suggesting the possibility of limited horizontal vaccine transmission among unvaccinated and vaccinated animals. And it says through suckling, playing, 
after they got the injection. So why does that, the point is that trend, that is the same thing in regard to whatever else it comes in contact with. And that, again, we'll show you, does not only mean antibodies. There's examples in this study where human beings got cowpox. Now it says the potential for recombination between the injection and other ortho, orthopox viruses found in the wild was initially a concern for environmental release. Now they go through this and say, well, we tested this and we didn't see there was an issue. But think about the concern for that. So what they're saying is we were concerned that the injection we're giving would somehow com combine with these other viruses out there in their bodies. And then we were concerned about a mass environmental release. I mean, just the fact that they're concerned about that. I think it's incredible that these things are even happening and most people don't know it. But it says ongoing surveillance by ORV program managers, the program we're talking about, has not revealed adverse events or lesions suggestive of the recombination of those things with laboratory or wild type pox viruses to date. Okay, so when they, first of all, as we're dealing with a world full of adverse events that we're being told aren't there, I find it hard to ever take that at face value from a company invested in, or rather a study invested in, I think, arguing this stuff works. But overall, just because it doesn't present itself in what we think is adverse events, what's happening inside that body? Is, is, it gonna, is the animal going to die in four years? Isn't Fauci the one that just told us that years later things can happen and we don't even associate it with the injection? Yes. So who knows? However, it says pre-existing antibodies from raccoon pox virus exposure has been speculated to potentially reduce antibody responses to the injection they're giving them. Pre-existing antibodies from these pox viruses will make this not work. Okay, well, there's another example, or rather just reduce that response, where another anomaly, where they already have other things going on. You give them this thing that you tell us is going to stop in 48 hours, but in fact, it reduces that response they are able to have, and only they simply get sick from it. It says, to what extent this occurs in the field, or what limitations this immunological interference we know about this from natural orthopox viruses infections may place on the program is unknown. But, you know, let's keep dumping this on people until we figure it out. It's what they do. Potential for enhanced neurotropism. So like neurological issues. I think that it says a uh, tending to attack or affect the nervous system. So potential for enhanced nervous system attacks of the vaccine or allergic encephalitis secondary to vaccine administration, clearly that they know is a common thing that we're told is fake news, were specifically assessed in raccoons vaccinated orally with this. But they go, well, but we didn't find any issue. Yeah, just wanted to point out that they, they were worried about risks too, right? So the fact that they know that's a possible risk just makes me concerned about this in general. VRG was also tested. The vaccine was also tested for safety in young and pregnant animals. Think about that. How, so the point I made earlier, we got to test it for 10 years to make sure, right? Here they are testing for an animal injection. Well, we got to make sure it's safe in the pregnant animals. <laughs> I mean, it's just so sad. They sure as hell don't care about the human pregnant people. Eh, I can't believe I just said, I'm so frustrated by this. That is something that keeps being stated on like, I was, it, uh, posting this on somebody's Twitter account today. In no, you guys know my stance on all this. In no way am I saying that because I am like arguing. <laughs> it's just so frustrating how that comes out in a sense to mean it's it's a it's a, a basically an, a, a passing statement that does not imply that I think that only women can get pregnant, guys. I think that's a very clear biological fact. I think it's funny that that ends up being something that gets taken out of context. But bottom line, that they're testing it on pregnant animals. 
to find out whether or not it's risky, but sure as hell don't care about that in human populations. Think about how stupid that is. I mean, you can't just pretend like we're in a dangerous situation, therefore we don't need to test it on the, the, the most vulnerable. And then it says three to, uh, three to four weeks old suckling raccoons, three of them, were placed with their mother immediately after she received this injection. All animals remained healthy, they said, and every single one of them seroconverted. So they, they developed they, the, the injection transmitted to them within 28 days and then resisted the rabies challenge. Constantly. Concerns about the potential for the injection of rabies virus infected to uh, of the so using this injection on rabies virus infected animals to induce a rabies virus carrier state was examined. Right. So this is the same sort of the uh, well, I guess it's an overlap of these things like pathogenic priming. The idea that they could already be sick. You give them this injection and it creates like a worse situation where they're then spreading it even more and so on. It's just like we're seeing with the injected in COVID-19 discussion. Vaccination of red box red boxes with the injection during rabies virus incubation did alter the duration of incubation, inducing er, either early death compared to control animals, which I guess you could see as a positive that their rabies, their sick ones, they die off. But it says, but when vaccinated occurring proximate to in, in, in experimental infection or delayed death, compared to controls when vaccinated later in incubation. So what they're saying is, and then they have no way of knowing when they're just jumping these things over the area. What they're ultimately saying there, the point to pick out, is that if an animal is in later in incubation of natural rabies infection, and they give them these oral vaccines, they die later. It takes them longer to die. But don't forget, up here they just said that it makes... The point is that this is an issue that allows them to not get vaccinated they still have rabies. It just makes them take longer to die. Can't you see that as a way that this would increase the risk of rabies? That the animal then goes on to spread it even more? I guess their argument would be that though, oh, all the other animals are vaccinated now and they're safe and effective and blah, blah, blah. But I'll get to the numbers in a second. That does not seem to be the case. So who knows? We get narrative all over the place. GM mosquitoes are being fought with this thing that's helping, except they're getting worse every year. We keep pretending like it's working. Give the vaccines to people that help them and they're baffled about the unbelievable side effects that we pretend aren't associated with it. GM foods and on and on and on. Oral polio vaccines, right? We're literally battling the oral polio strain, but we don't talk about that. It's the same kind of stuff. I just don't buy this. Healthy adult animals, juveniles, and pregnant or lactating animals were considered for some species due to the potential for increased susceptibility to adverse events in the demographics. They even were worried about letting this happen to pregnant animals. They sure as hell don't care about your pregnant mother. That's crazy. No vaccine-associated morbidity or mortality was observed following the injections. Exposure in animals evaluated from 20 taxonomic families. So it's interesting. If all they're looking for is morbidity and mortality, what happens if they bust out with tumors all over their body? What happens if they go blind? What happens if they, I mean, you can go on forever. All these things have overlaps with neurological issues and so on, or the same things that we've seen with many of these types of injections, but they didn't die. What happens if it passes to your child? Immunocompromised animal models were also evaluated. <laughs> same point. We, they, they don't test on immunocompromised pregnant people or elderly people, but we force it on them first. But we made sure we tested the, immuno, the immunocompromised raccoons. Got to make sure they're safe. I just, it makes me, I mean, it makes me laugh in a really sad way. 
Immunocompromised animal models were also evaluated due to the potential for increased susceptibility to adverse events. Now, they care about them for individuals with reduced immunocompetence. The injection administered via the oral route did not cause disease in the immunologically deficient mice. However, parent, uh, parental, per, per, parenteral, that's an interesting word, parenteral, so per, parents, uh, or no, what, let's see, parenteral, administered or occurring somewhere else in the body. Am I saying that right? I thought it was like a parental, like a parent thing, but it's huh, interesting. Anyway. Parental, probably parental, often contrasted with internal, in internal, interesting. But so it goes on to say intradermal, intramuscular, so that's what it's talking about. Administration, so in the arm and so on, resulted in systemic and progressive vaccinia infection. Don't make sure I don't miss that because I was talking about other things. It goes, it finishes, although less severe than that seen for the parental vaccinia virus strain. That's parental right there. And this is parenteral. Parental, probably. But here's the point. Intramuscular, intradermal administration of the thing they're dumping across Tennessee resulted in systemic and progressive cowpox infection. The thing they're dumping over your over Tennessee. Although less severe than the usual. Okay, then go ahead and dump it over everybody. Human exposure to the cowpox, the vaccine vaccine vector, which is what we're talking about, right? So that's what let's realize. They're doing the same thing. This is using the virus vector to deliver a protein. Just because it's not mRNA does not mean it's the same dangerous overlap. Human exposure to the cowpox vaccine vector may pose risks for clinical manifestations in persons having a contraindication for smallpox vaccine. Oh, only those that have a super risky issue with the smallpox vaccine. You mean the one you call the most dangerous vaccine? Let's see if that pops up, actually. It is right there. Boom. That's literally what they call this injection. This is from 2002. Smallpox may be the worst disease ever known to man. It killed about half the half the billion people and so on. But it says, and the smallpox vaccine is deadly too. Scientists called the most dangerous vaccine known to man. Excuse me, dangerous vaccine. Simply, the only argument they make is, well, it's so dangerous that it's okay. This one's less dangerous. Why is that okay? Why not, after all this time, make something that's not that dangerous? You've had enough time. That doesn't make any sense to me. Just because it's the benefits outweigh the risk game. But you've had enough time to make a safe version. And realize they're even arguing that kids need these things. There's not a smallpox outbreak, but they're pushing this on children in their vaccine schedule in other locations. I've already talked about it. It's crazy to me. But the point is they're literally using the smallpox vector Vaccine, a cowpox vector, which that you read this, we're just the same thing. I've done entire shows on this. It's the same overlap. They give the same injection. They were even giving these injections, variations of them, for monkeypox. When I, told, when I pointed it out then. That's crazy. So what they're saying is, may pose manifestations of people who have contraindications for those injections. Probably everybody. Including pregnant, pe- pregnant women, pre- people with an acute, chronic, or exfoliative skin condition... <laughs> Great. So if you've got a skin condition, watch out for the falling rabies pellets or people who are immunocompromised. It's described on the product insert. Right. So the insert that you're dropping with fish covered nonsense all over it that you have to crepe off to read the insert, but maybe you'll get sick while you do it. I love their logic. For this reason, baits are labeled with a message. Oh, so this this is how you know. 
It says, rabies, vaccine, live, vaccinia, vector. Do not disturb. I wonder how you read that without picking it up, scraping the stuff off, and looking at it <laughs> in risking transmission. Like, think of how stupid that is. As you go, do not read. Oh, no, and you drop it. <laughs> Too late now. <laughs> Just This is, like, almost comical if it wasn't so stupid. Applied in a black ink directly on the bait. Like, and really, we just showed you the picture of it. Where was it? Uh, I mean, here, let's just bring up the, the the show from today. It's the main image. It's, I mean, it's it's this is what you're going to see in the way that they drop. Just right here. Tell me exactly how you're supposed to read that without picking this up and then scraping this off, which very clearly then risks the possibility of that happening. I mean, that's that's I mean, that's that feels deliberate, if you want my honest opinion. The label also provides a toll-free number, which I told you I tried to call today, and it was a it was a it didn't work. While international human, while intentional human ingestion of baits is likely uncommon, why would it have to be intentional? Due to the repugnant smell of the fish meal bait material, well, if it's an infant, they wouldn't know any better, or a child, or a toddler. People may have incidental skin or mucous membrane exposure to vaccine through interactions with domestic pets attempting to consume a bait or when handling a bait which has ruptured. Okay, so they're like just they're talking about skin contact. Not through an open wound, not if it touches your skin, they're making it clear that that might have an issue. And of course with the pet, which is more likely than you grabbing it and doing that, but nonetheless this is there. And it says, do, does not rule out the potential for adverse events from the, uh, the, the vaccine exposure in immunocompromised persons. People, you, they're not ruling out the possibility that this happening might cause you to get sick. For this reason, bait distribution strategies are designed to minimize public contact with the baits. So it's as clear as day. They know there is a potential risk to you, so they do their best to avoid it. That's not what the news said. They said, it's you're good. It's not dangerous. You're fine. That's how gross this is. That's how stupid these people are. Or willfully ignorant. Or they don't care. Doesn't make a difference. Har- it's not, aren't harmful. Reports of human contact with baits are relatively rare. That means they happen. And typically involve efforts to take a bait from a dog's mouth. Okay, what's funny is they seem to skip over the fact that your dog probably dies from this or gets super sick or gets cowpox or gets rabies. I mean, they're trying to tell you that's not what's happening. But look, if you're literally touching this and getting possible cowpox, how in the world are we pretending like that's not a possibility? It says in France, get this, 96 human contacts have happened with these these baits between 1992 and 1996. Fantastic. I mean, you're talking about over a four-year period, 96 people came in contact with a rabies cowpox live injection. 44% of those contacts occurred when dog owners tried to remove it from their dog's mouth. So they seem to very clearly know this is an issue, but don't really care. They're, it's only gotten worse. And again, one case in 2021, guys, one case, 44%, 96 people, each one of them being introduced to risk that was not necessary for one case. During 2001, 2009 in the USA, 44 million of these were distributed. Exposure surveillance, which means they know that there's exposure. That's not what the news told you. You're safe and it's fine. Don't worry about it. 
exposure surveillance in 18 states recorded 296 human contacts with ruptured baits and 550 pet contacts with baits. That is 296 people that got contact with a live cowpox virus or protein and 550 or what we're being told and 550 pets who, who potentially could get sick or die for one case in the context of 2021. Now, I, I, that's a fair, unfair way to frame that because that's obviously over uh, a, a multi-year period, but my that's a, an eight-year period. But you know, take do the math. Make that, however many cases that is. It's too many for one that we're talking about. Six human adverse events were reported to the CDC during 2001 and 2009. So during those 296 contacts, six people got sick. Five skin rashes or dermatological reactions of undetermined origin. I love how they pretend that's not what caused this. On the site of the virus contact. But we don't know for sure. And we never found out because we don't know. Put it in bears. We'll pretend it's not there. That's why they leave that, by the way. Undetermined origin. So you literally touch cowpox virus on your hand. And then that part of your hand gets sick. And we're like, we don't know. We can't confirm it. Science undetermined origin of the site of virus contact and one diagnosis of clinical vaccine of virus infection. So even though they confirmed a clinical process where this person got cowpox, they're still like, ah, we don't know. Those other eight cases, we don't know. I just love making fun of how stupidly, willfully ignorant that is. Bottom line, six people got sick because of the cowpox virus that was there. In, in the USA, and again, this is what we're being told for all the people out there going, ah, this is not real. It's just, it's just, the, the point is people got sick is what I'm trying to point out. They're telling us that's cowpox. In the USA, two human exposures to this injection resulted in a vaccinia-like infection. That's cowpox. In the United States, two people got sick with a cowpox infection after they dumped these things over the area. Literally the same thing that's being put over us right now. The first case was reported in Ohio during September 2000 in a pregnant woman, 28 years old. The woman developed swelling and arrhythmia of the arm, left auxiliary and adenopathy, pustules, and necrotic scabs. But don't worry. Don't worry, guys. It's hard. It's not. They aren't harmful. Just listen to the news and go back to sleep. The second case occurred in Pennsylvania during August 2009 in a 35-year-old woman. The woman was exposed to the vaccine through a patch of abraded skin after handling a ruptured bait. She developed localized uh, cutaneous lesions at the site of the vaccine contact. But it's totally not harmful, though, guys. Just go back to sleep. I think that was basically the the crux of the point. The first USA-based field trial you're being tested on occurred in August 1990 using the same tetracycline biomarker. So from 2000, from 1990 all the way through today, they have seemingly been dumping tetracycline all over this country. But don't worry, we're going to use GM mosquitoes that get stronger and don't die with tetracycline. And that's okay, though, because we're pretending that tetracycline isn't there. Just like we're pretending, pretending that dioxins aren't there and pretending that PFAS are only there when we want to pretend we care about your water, but then not talk about it ever again, and on and on and on. Very crazy to me. I don't I don't really don't want to miss the overlap of tetracycline to one of the most alarming things I think is happening in these dumping of genetically modified entities, which are probably more than just mosquitoes today in the world. But we're talking about mosquitoes in this context that are God only knows what they're doing to the things they're biting because that because this guys it's an experiment field trial. 
Now, you could argue that today they don't call it that anymore. But the bottom line is this is still being shown to be something that they're grappling with. Right now we have to change this and do that and different things. It's not working. That's that's one of these conversations. And I'll get into the, the stats in a second. Here it says the injection we're discussing, raboral, has also been experimentally applied to control rabies and gray fox populations in Texas. Experimentally applied. But don't worry if you get cowpox here and there. We're testing. Just shut up about it. That's, that's the world we live in right now, apparently. And you're, you're being told in many different ways that you don't have a say. Under the conclusion, it says, Today, the concept of immunizing wildlife with an oral vaccine is well accepted globally and is an important component of holistic rabies management program. Well, is that the truth? Did you know about this program before? I hardly doubt anybody truly knows the full picture. They get this picture, if anything. They're not harmful. And then I bet you most people don't even know this part. But this publicly, as David Martin put it, egregiously public information that anybody could find is fake news. You know, because the news told you they're not harmless or that they're they aren't harmful. Excuse me. Kind of incredible, isn't it? Well, inversionism shared this with me. Thank you. Perfectly timely. I I put this out earlier to let people know I was going to talk about it. He says they've dropped these oral rabies vaccines into people's yard and their dogs have eaten it. The owner reported that the only side effect was an upset stomach. Not So not only are they indiscriminately spraying pesticides from planes and trucks in highly populated areas, along with dumping genetically modified mosquitoes, but they're also just dumping edible vaccines from planes and helicopters and hoping only raccoons eat them. Or you could argue maybe there's a reason that they put them in areas that accidentally, quote, end up in your backyard with your dog. They're weirdly aggressive about rabies do- vaccines with dogs. And I've played you this many times. But the fact that most... It, it, uh, my opinion, run screaming from all of them. But even then, the, you, if the dog gets an injection, the argument is, based on the titers you can later take, is that they never need it again. That if the titer shows anybody, they don't, need, they don't care about that. That's that clip I played from the vet telling you that they tell me that if I have to kill the animal to follow this law, that I have to kill my animal. And the point is that they can prove they don't need the injection, but they force them to do it anyway. And then even then, the injections are shown to be very dangerous, that they don't differentiate between a tiny poodle and a huge dog. I mean, it's, it's, and on top of that, we already know the issues that even exist in human injections. Do you think they care about the animals? That's even worse, guys. I've done entire shows on this. It's horrifying. As you know, I recently went through this. And it's, 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 a, it's an unbelievable pressure. that It's, all, it's, I mean, it's a whole other topic. It's unbelievable. But it says, if anyone knows what these oral rabies vaccines are made of, please share the details. Can't find any documentation. Well, again, he's probably now excited that we went over this. Here's the actual full peer-reviewed study on the topic from 2017. And then, guys, I'm probably going to even go deeper specifically on the chemicals that are active in this and what makes up the whole name. But this is just the general overview of using this in the wild. That's what I wanted to focus on today. Just what it is and the side effects therein. Now, even if this person is saying, but my dog only got a stomach ache, realize that's lucky if that's all that happened. And then who knows what's going to happen down the line. But we already went over the study, the peer-reviewed information that's telling you that this can in fact cause all sorts of things, whether it's rare or not. And that should be your choice. So let's watch that clip. Vaccine bait dropped from the sky last week during the USDA's targeted aerial drops over Baldwin County. As WKRG News 5's Blake Brown explains, those packets are meant to vaccinate raccoons. And even though the USDA says the seven packets that fell into this woman's yard are safe for dogs to consume, she's warning other pet owners to pay close attention. 
seven packets. Seven packets. This is supposed to be rural, like out in the middle of the woods. Seven packets land in their backyard. That is unbelievable. What, what if her child ate all those? What if any number of other things happened? They don't care about this, clearly. Rabies vaccine falling from the sky right into Alex Carey's backyard in Fairhope. I knew that they were dropping. Um, what I didn't know is that it would come in a little plastic packet inside the little bait, um, which is a little, you know, a little disconcerting. See, they don't know this, guys. They pretend that everybody knows everything, but they don't. The average person has no clue about even the surface level point, let alone the actual information, not they aren't harmful, but that they in fact have all sorts of super alarming overlaps. They were there and they're still not even sure. They're still figuring. I went over that one part that says, well, we don't, the, the long-term risks are unknown, <laughs> but let's keep doing it. It's part of the USDA Wildlife Service's massive effort to vaccinate raccoons in Baldwin County to stop one case in 2021. Starting last week, a helicopter and two planes began dropping the vaccine across the eastern shore. Our camera spotting one of those drops Thursday in Spanish Fort. I think it's it's a worthwhile effort, and I know it's been done for many years, but I don't. Um, I, I do. It would be helpful if they were a little more targeted. And and this is why they only talk to people. Like most cases, the person they're talking to. I mean, and that's that's a pretty harsh perspective from the typical people they talk to. Right. I love it. It's good. And I appreciate it. But they should told us more. It's like, oh, get her out of here. <laughs> Where's the guy that says this is the best thing ever? You know, that's what they're looking for. But even these people are like, they didn't inform me. And this is somebody who is praising this to a degree. It's crazy because that's I can prove to you that she does not know the full picture of what's going on. And actually into the more, you know, into the woods and, and less into what is obviously a you know, a groomed area that I walk my dogs. Her dogs, right. Ella and Sassy, finding seven of the vaccine baits at her home along Turkey Branch and County Road 13. Like the explorers they are, the homeowner says both dogs ate the bait, leaving only the wrapper in their mouths as evidence. God. Alex God. said both dogs had upset stomachs after consuming the vaccine, but... Yeah, okay, what did they tell us in the, in the first one? Well, it's okay, They if they, you know, nothing will happen with one, but if they eat multiple, it'll just give them an upset stomach. Well, these dogs eat one and get an upset stomach. That's what he just said. And on top of that, I guarantee, I mean, how are we going to pretend like that's all that's going to happen? At the very least, you just got them, they're going to have a reaction to this and create antibodies. Is that going to have a conflict with something that's already going on in their body? That they already get an, a rabies vaccine? Well, that in and of itself can cause the kind of things we've talked about. Antibody-dependent enhancement. And that, then they come up against it later and they get extra sick because they create, this is the same dynamic. You don't just pretend like it's not a big deal. They took seven vaccines. That's ridiculous. But that's what we're being told because that's what the corporate media does. That's the only side effect. Just minor upsets. That's the only side effect. That's it. You know, not not potential cowpox, not potential death or other side effects read to you directly from the peer-reviewed study. Just nothing, apparently. Stomach. Upset stomach. And they were fine. And, and I think I think my biggest thing is I want people to I want people to know that there may be plastic packets out there where you're walking your dog and just pay close attention to your dogs and make sure that they're that should you know, not be not... the reality. So now we have to keep on guard for random placed rabies vaccines on the ground. Like, think about how crazy that is. This is the same as acting like like we're going to get to a point to where they're like, oh, well, we're, we're putting out, you know, like they're talking about the, they're currently working on the edible vaccine conversation or some things I'll end with. What? How long until we get to a point to be like, oh, there's edible vaccines out there, but just, just you know, look around, or, you know, make sure you look for the thing we put on it or, you know, make sure you know where we place them so you get your dogs away from them. That, that Once they're there, it's too late, just like this.
This should not be the reality. It should not be just watch out for the random vaccines on the ground. But that's where we are. Normalizing this. And how much you want to bet? Let's put it this way. I'd love to talk to her. Because I'm sure they talk to her after this happened. What happens in a year? What happens in a, a week later? The point is, they don't do the follow-up. So who knows? Getting these things. The USDA says these packets aren't harmful to pets, but humans shouldn't touch the bait without wearing gloves. Alex says she'll be watching her dogs closely in case more packets are dropped where she lives. Yeah, so it's not harmful to animals, but you could get sick, so be careful. Because that makes sense, right? Or the simple fact that we just proved to you that that's not true. You know, whatever. But fake news, right? Thank you, Inversionism, for your work. Now, here it is on the CDC website. Is rabies in your state? Let's look at the general information. During 2018, 54 jurisdictions reported 4,951 cases of rabies in animals and three cases in humans. In 2018, there were three cases in the United States. Think about that. This total represented this this total represented an increase of 11.2% as compared to 2017 which was 4454 and two human cases. Two. So you're literally risking giving cowpox to people which seems to have happened at a higher prevalent rate than what you're doing. So you have two two humans in 2017, three in 2018 who just got it. That doesn't, that doesn't, doesn't even say whether they died. I'm willing to bet you they didn't because they would list that. But in this case, I should have just left it there. We have examples right here of 96 humans getting, getting contact with this, of six different people having direct illness because of it. Six people over the eight-year process. That's, I mean, right there, that's at, ver at the very least pretty reciprocal. Pretty, I mean, <laughs> you have to be honest about the reality that this does not justify what they're doing. It's, it's obviously. And then, of course, you can point out. I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> Hold on. Then you could point out on this. This is a the uh, American Veterinary Medical Association website where it says rabies surveillance in the United States during 2020. Just 2020. During 2020, 54 jurisdictions. And I think that's the same data they're talking about here. 54 jurisdictions, 4,951. 4,000, or well, first of all, this, this was an interesting point. Same 54 jurisdictions, and the number's a little bit higher, which is interesting. But it says they, they, they submitted 87,895 animal samples for rabies testing, of which 85,483 had a conclusive test. 97%. So there's almost 90,000 animals running around with rabies. That translated to... 4,497, uh, well, that, excuse me, this is, oh, yeah, this one, actually, excuse me, I'm, I'm making this confusing. I forgot why I included this. The point was, in 2020, 54 jurisdictions, almost 90,000 samples, of which 97% of those were conclusive. Then it goes on to say, of those conclusive, only 4,479 tested positive for rabies. So what exactly are they saying is conclusive? Meaning they have it, right? But then why would only 5.2 test positive? Either way, the point is it only comes down to 4,479 positive. But out of 90,000 who have a, or 85,000 have a positive test for it. But again, the main point is that only translates to two or three people in the country. 
For the first time since 2006, the number of samples submitted for rabies testing in the U.S. was less than 90,000. This is thought to be due to factors related to COVID-19 pandemic. So my point is, the number went up, first of all, less than 90,000. But that's supposed to be a less factor. So all I'm trying to show you is that going from this number forward, the incidents are going up in regard to animals. So you have an example of animals who have more. How do you make sense of that? If they're dumping these things all over the country and they're getting more, then again, you probably go, well, maybe it's not working. But on top of that, the translation to humans is near non-existent. I just find that to be insulting to our intelligence. In, in, in lieu of, you know, or rather, allowing 550 animals to get sick, 296 people to have ruptured, bait, ruptured baits that get them potentially sick, six of them that end up with some sort of cowpox issue, two in, in, in two people in the United States alone got cowpox infections. And yet we're pretending three cases of people that didn't die is enough. Unreal. Now I'm going to end today with the possibility of what we've always talked about, right? So as they're dumping these things all around, you could argue that's just them being their same clumsy, irrational type of people that don't care that it's not working and it's about profit and whatever, who cares if you're dying, (laughs) you know, kind of corporate mindset. But then we also have to just wonder what else might be going on. The the thing people love to call conspiracy theory, even though all all we're really doing is, you know, theorizing. What might happen? Now, my point is when they say conspiracy theory, as much as that exactly is what we're doing, they call that fake. To them, the word conspiracy theory means fake. But how can it be fake to just consider whether something might happen? (laughs) Think about how willfully ignorant that is. The point, though, is that we know they've talked about this. Aerosolized nanoparticles spreading mRNA, self-spreading vaccines. All these things are very real. So as they're continuing to dump these things around, I'm very worried about where this ends up. This is from Yale, by the way. Yale.edu. An mRNA COVID vaccine and potentially more with nanoparticles. No shot needed. Now, this is not new. We've talked about this many times. In fact, this is from this is from earlier in the year. But this is one that people have talked about using aerosolized nanoparticles to give you the mRNA injection. So are we really going to pretend with all the push they had this time about how you should have done it? It was your responsibility to that. They won't just design one that can just be spread around the country or maybe it's already happened. Maybe that's the Omicron edition. I mean, who knows? We already know how much they told you that it was, you know, the compulsory bio enhancement discussion where they've had studies where they say it should be secret if they're going to do it and so on and so on. I just want people to consider that possibility and how many times we've talked about this. New aerosolized mRNA-delivering nanoparticles can vaccinate or they can eliminate, according to their own research, because they can be primed to do bad things, too. Or, going even further back, did the U.S. government work on a myocarditis-inducing virus? Yes. Ralph Barrick. They literally tried to, they worked on getting coronaviruses to induce induce myocarditis in rabbits in the 90s. Weird, nobody talks about that today. And then work to aerosolize it in the caves in China. Yes, according to their own documentation. So it's long in the works. Did I add that to this? Let me make sure that's in the show today so I don't forget. Then finally, I just want to end with this so we remember what we already know they're working on. Since the outbreak of COVID-19, 
The word virus has been dominating media headlines as well as our daily lives. Did you know that one approach that has been proposed to control virally transmitted diseases is by releasing a virally transmitted vaccine? Unlike traditional vaccines, infectious vaccines do not require any individual consent. Infectious solutions are also being developed for food and agriculture. And yes, they are. And that is what we're talking about here. And that was discussed in 2020 in Europe, just before this all happened. Johns Hopkins has discussed it. Many of them have gone over this. This is not a fake story. So one more alarming data point. Now, I'm sorry to have to add more to, to your worry, but the reality is this is something that really does bug me. The idea that something like this can be done at, at a time when more people are aware of their lies than ever, I would argue, at least the medical side of it. And yet here we are just going through the motions. Right. Dumping stuff around, allowing, you know, whether we're talking about the the contamination issues, the dioxins and everything they're spraying and they're allowing to happen, the glyphosate and the I mean, everything to the idea of, of this kind of conversation or the pesticide spraying or the GM mosquitoes or on and on and on. And we could prove to you that these things are dangerous. But some people are just too invested in the paradigm of it all and can't look at anything other than what the two party paradigm is directing them to argue about. So these things fall by the wayside. Maybe we can get it in front of one of them and it'll actually change something. But in the meantime, hopefully it'll change you and your life and your ability to keep yourself safe. So thank you for being here. I love you all. Oh, and by the way, as I'm trying to remember to do, on a quick side note, it's funny. My pup is sitting here with me. She already knew. I said, when I said that, that sentence, I began the ending. She looked up. <laughs> She's eager to, eager to go outside and play. Is it make sure I just want to make sure I continually, you know, on a regular basis, make sure you guys know if you want to support this platform, you know where you can do it. I think that's important to understand because, you know, it's not that you guys, most of you don't already know that we're in need of support. And, you know, I think we were just talking about on the founders meeting today, which, by the way, if you want to join the Substack founders meeting, we have it every week, every year, month. You have to become a founding member to be joining. But we have, you know, hour long conversation about whatever you guys want to get into every month. But for those that want to support directly on the platform, here on the side, you have the donate bar. But this also you can also access it right up here at the top under donate. Bottom line is we need your support, guys. Not only are we trying to grow, branch out, hire new people. I've got two meetings with people that, I, again, I mentioned briefly, but you both, all of you know, both of them. They're fantastic people in regard to copyright, editing, and work for the Last American Vagabond. And I just, and I just can't do it unless I've got more funding. And, I, I, you know, I, I know everyone's being uh, pinched and squeezed right now, but it's become very clear to me that the avenue of, don't, uh, of uh, investment and so on, which we also talked about this morning, is just at the moment not very viable because people are scared, and I get it. And so I, I, all I'll love to do is embrace the donation model that, quite frankly, is all I ever wanted to do to begin with. I don't want to get involved with anything else. I want to only rely on your support. So here's the donation page in general. I'll include that as well. $1 a month, guys, on a recurring donation. I bear, I'm willing to bet nobody even notices. It'd make all the difference in the world. Now, on our information on our, every one of the videos, we have all the links elsewhere where you can support us. And again, we just mentioned the other day, Autonomy is continuing to support the last American Vagabond. So make sure you check us out. Check out Autonomy. Make sure you check out our objective research course on Autonomy. All the links are underneath for you guys to check out. And 
Continue to push the information, guys. Continue to fight for it. Continue to make sure people have the tools to understand it for themselves. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. Let's also be clear. The future is not just happening. The future is built by us.